We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the DFS podcast for Friday edition for this weekend's NFL playoff games from Rotowire. Hi there, football fans. I'm Paul Bruno, and I invite you to follow me at Statsman22. Joining me as usual is John McKechnie, who's a great follow at Johnny McKex. With the NFL's regular season winding up a couple of weeks ago, we went into the wild card last weekend, John, hoping for at least a couple of close games during the course of the, se- the playoffs first round, but we saw four clunkers. Any chance, yeah, any chance of a repeat this weekend? I mean, I'm hoping for some competitive games. I'm calling for two upsets uh, with the road team winning for what it's worth. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried that there, there's going to be at least, at least one clunker this weekend. That New England-Houston game looks like it's going to be a mess. But uh, the, the other three should be, should be pretty good, you know, especially we're going to be treated to a lot higher quality of games this weekend overall. You know, we got the one and two seeds in play. We don't have any more backup quarterbacks to worry about unless, you know, you consider Osweiler to be a backup. But either way, I, I think we're going to be, uh, you know, kind of repaid for having to sit through last weekend's games, and we're going to see some good ones here. All right, well, let's take a look at each of the upcoming matchups this weekend in the divisional playoff round. And as we did last week, we're going to group uh, each position uh, of players one at a time and go through it rather than game, uh, on a game-by-game basis. So uh, we'll take a look. The first game will begin with the Seattle Seahawks visit to the Atlanta Falcons on Saturday. 
That's a 4.35 start. The Falcons are five-point favorites in this one with them with the over and under set at 51.5. John, at the quarterback position, we see that FanDuel has Matt Price, uh, Matt Ryan <laughs> priced at $8,300 and Russell Wilson at $8,200. There's not much of a gap here. And uh, in your mind, are they really that close in value for this game? Yeah, this is an interesting one to parse out because I think Matt Ryan is going to have a pretty good game here. I think maybe not as good as people might might anticipate because Seattle kind of ten, tends to get this rap where they're only really dangerous when they're at home. But I looked at their uh, home road splits as far as their secondary uh, throughout the entire season. Their defense actually traveled quite well. Uh, they held opposing passers to 5.9 yards per attempt, racked up 25 sacks, and then their touchdown and interceptions, uh, 8 to 6. So, you know, the, their defense definitely played well on the road, helped carry them to some road victories there. So I think that they're not going to have trouble uh, or as much trouble as, as you might anticipate down in the Georgia Dome this weekend. Uh, but on the on the other side of the coin, I, I'm worried about Russell Wilson this weekend. And you'll you'll see why when I get into the running backs here a little bit. But I, I think that the the Falcons pass defense led by led by or, or rush. Uh, pass rush, sorry, uh, led by Vic Beasley is really dangerous, especially when you consider the sort of sieve that the Seahawks are working with on the offensive line there. So I think the Seahawks are going to try to establish the run. So I don't see a particularly high ceiling or floor for Russell Wilson in this one. I'd prefer to have Matt Ryan at just $100 more. Uh, absolutely. But I think there's another quarterback that we'll get into later that is that is my lock at quarterback. But I would definitely take Ryan over Wilson in this scenario. I'm not as easily convinced there, but I will give a nod to Ryan in terms of the regular season what an outstanding set of numbers he put up and he's my uh, MVP candidate if I can say that his passing TDs to interception ratio was better than five to one 38 to seven on the year he was 4,900 yards plus in the total offense on the passing game not much of a threat in the running game and that's where I think things get a little bit tighter here between the uh, in the comparison between these two guys certainly Russell Wilson is not known as a gunslinger type quarterback Uh, he's a guy with a little narrower ratio in terms of the the passing stats but he's a threat to go if they run any kind of option plays with the quarterback or even send him off just on the run he really is a threat offensively and offensively in the ground game and I think that he has a softer matchup in terms of the secondaries that are contesting this game with the 28th ranked Atlanta pass defense uh, against him this weekend rather than uh, Seattle and their top 10 passing uh, defense. Uh, so I, I, I think that it is a narrow spread between these guys and justifiably so and it comes down to a coin flip for me between the two of them. I think uh, Seattle though is going to be a tough out in this in this match and it might lead you to a conclusion about my eventual pick in this game. At the running back position here, John, how do you break it down? Uh, so we have the highest price running back in this game is, is Devontae Freeman checking in at 7,600, going against uh, the league's number two defense against the rush in terms of DVOA, then moving down just $100 more, we got Thomas Rawls at 7,500, going against the 29th ranked rush DVOA defense. So for me, Rawls is going to be chalky. I think everyone can see the Seahawks being able to run on, on the Falcons. And, and like I alluded to earlier with, with the sort of game flow that I'm, I'm anticipating where the Seahawks want to mitigate the Atlanta Falcons pass rush as much as possible. I think they're going to be feeding Rawls a lot. And we saw what can happen when they do give the Rawls the ball a lot uh, as you know, last week going for 27 carries, 161 yards and a touchdown against the the Lions defense, which I would say is relatively comparable against the run to the Falcons. And then checking down a little bit lower, uh, we have Tevin Coleman 
5,900. I do like his pass catching potential, but the Seahawks do tend to be pretty good at limiting opposing running backs out of the backfield. I don't know how much that metric has changed since Earl Thomas has gone out, but I still like Coleman a lot amongst the, the that sort of tier of sub $6,000 running backs because I think you are going to kind of need to get one uh, in this slate. And uh, yeah, so Coleman 5,900. I like I like his potential. I'd, I'd almost play him over Freeman. I think that you know they, those two can trade off, and I think the Falcons are going to get creative with using uh, Coleman in this one. So I lean Rawls heavily. Uh, he's going to be in all my lineups, and then Coleman would be my value running back from this group. Yeah, I agree with the fade on Freeman in this one. I, I think that Coleman offers just as much in terms of uh, the dual roles of the pass catcher and the running back and is a threat that might not be somebody that they've game-planned for on the other side of the ball. So I think he could be this, a secret weapon that's not so secret and a great value play at 5900 bucks. I love that call, John. At the wideouts... We, we have kind of an interesting kind of top-heavy uh, group of receivers here. We have Julio checking in at 8,300. Um, a lot of the times, and this is just kind of how I feel in general about the divisional round, the team coming off of a bye can be a little bit rusty um, just as a whole. But I think in this case, a guy like Julio, I think he benefits from the bye week, but you know, and that, that sounds obvious, but it's really true. in in this case, I don't think you worry about the rust for a guy like Julio Jones, who's at the top of his game. You just want him to be at, at full health, you know, because he, te- he does tend to get banged up towards the end of the year. He did certainly at the end of this season. So a full, fully healthy Julio Jones going against the Seahawks. I do like that matchup a lot because I mean, he really torched them earlier this season, he played a great game against them, could have had an even bigger game if, if, uh, he hadn't gotten interfered with late in the fourth quarter of that game up in Seattle in October, I believe. So definitely like Julio at 8,300. Moving down the list, we got Doug Baldwin, 7,900. Huge game last weekend. He had a huge game against the Cardinals as well in week 16. So he's on a hot streak. He sees a ton of target volume. Uh, I don't think that that changes at all this week. So I definitely can't fault anyone for using Baldwin at 7,900. 7, but I would prefer it if if you can you know, create that $400 extra in cap room, I would, I would definitely lean Julio if possible. And then you sort of have a a -a whack-a-mole type of scenario with the, with the other three Falcons receivers. You got Gabriel, Sanu and Hardy all chat, all within $600 of each other, 5,500 to 4,900. It's really hard for me to predict which one of these guys will be the the true complimentary receiver to Julio. Do you have any read on that? Um, one of my favorite guys in football is Mohamed Sanu. I'm going to go with him just because uh, you got to pick one of the three, right? So uh, right. it's like picking, like you said, whack-a-mole. I'm going to say Sanu is the guy that they go to just because he's uh, got some more uh, pedigree to him than the other guys from my, from my viewpoint, and uh, I'll, I would take a shot at him at that low price. On the other side of the ball, I'm wondering what uh, Seattle's going to do in the passing game because they have to make up for the fact that Tyler Lockett's out of this one. That's too bad because he was a not-so-secret weapon that emerged late in the season and it's going to be up to the likes of curse and richardson maybe to pick up the slack certainly doug baldwin is their big play guy at the wide out position so we'll see how that pans out uh, john at the time i wouldn't mind using richardson at 4700 he actually looked like he was pretty competent last week i've been i've been a little bit of a doubter on him just because of his size throughout his career but he you know he made some impressive plays last week and then at the tight end position i mean seattle has name recognition in jimmy graham what about the atlanta side of the ball that position john uh, we got Levine Tololo at 4,600. I'm sorry if I butchered the name, but yeah. And then uh, moving down the list, we got Luke Wilson at 4,500. Honestly, I could see if Wilson gets the requisite snap counts, this could be one of those things where, where you know, 
ninety percent of fantasy owners are mad when Luke Wilson's standing in the end zone with the ball in his hands, and and like the ten percent that do get Luke Wilson are, are you know jumping up and down because they you know just paid forty five hundred to get a touchdown. Yeah, and I'm wondering. I mean, I've been fading Graham ever since he let me down in the in the rotowire free rolls and all that stuff. But really, this is a game where he has a chance to shine against that suspect secondary, and he could be another go-to weapon in the passing game. He's priced certainly at uh, 6,800. That's not too expensive, but it is pretty high still for a tight end in uh, in this field. So uh, he remains a top option in the Seattle passing game and somebody that shouldn't be overlooked. In terms of the kickers, John, do you have a, sl- a slight favorite here or not? I think, but, you know, you can't go wrong with either of them. We're, we're talking about a game that's going to be played in the dome, a couple strong-legged kickers. I would probably trust Matt Bryant more, and the price is reflective of that. He's at 5200 obviously pretty expensive for your kicker. Hauschka, $400 uh, cheaper at 4800 I would give the lean to Matt Bryant. I think he has more long field goal range potential as well, uh, I, you know, in the event that the, the Seahawks are able to kind of uh, force a sputtered-out drive from the Falcons. I think Bryant is a pretty odd automatic guy he led all kickers in, in standard scoring uh, in fantasy leagues this year so Bryant definitely not a bad play I'm definitely using kickers from either this game or the Dallas versus Green Bay game I'm not going to mess with the weather in the other two games that's a key call John and I agree with that sentiment more than anything else that you said uh, so far I think you got to be wary of the weather and the kicking game if you want to take a shot at one of the guys it's one of the four guys that's not going to get wet or uh, sprayed with any uh, any rain or anything like that so good calls in that regard in terms of defenses here there's a a bit of a gap between these two seattle price at forty seven hundred dollars atlanta at 43 for me this is where the game will be decided on the defense which defense comes rises up and i expect seattle to be the more dominant of the two just because that's that's what we have expected from this team whereas i already highlighted that the falcons secondary can be exploited and uh, they've shown me that they can't stop that and uh, it could be an issue in this game how do you see oh, man, you, you said rise up and then you said the seahawks i, I was you know the falcons fans that listening are uh, definitely disappointed to hear that but you know i think i think i do agree with you the, the seahawks do have the better defense but i'm probably not using the seattle defense just because that that falcons offense uh for how good Seattle's defense is, I think that Seattle still is going to be able to put up points, or Atlanta's still going to be able to put up points. I see this being a relatively high-scoring game this weekend, so I, I'm probably fading both of these defenses overall. And so your game score for this tilt, John? Despite all of my instincts as a guy that lived in Georgia for five years and went, went to school down there and has seen all of the heartbreaking losses <laughs> that the Falcons have, have managed to come up with, including the divisional round, uh, or, well, I guess they beat the Seahawks in the divisional round four years ago in 2012. I foresee something like that happening again. I think Atlanta's going to nudge them out 27-24. Well, I'm, this is the first time we disagree. We agreed on the four picks we made last week. I'm taking the Seahawks 24-20, a narrow win, and I'm thinking that the defense makes up for the difference they kind of put a damper on that atlanta offense and try to negate some of the high power high octane guys that you mentioned we did in this particular segment i think seattle is going to get a couple of takeaways and and that is going to seal the fate of the falcons again this weekend uh the late game on saturday has the houston texans visiting the new england patriots who are a mere 15.5 point <laughs> favorites with an over under set at 44 and a half john for this 8 15 kickoff the Pats have a huge edge at quarterback. Everybody knows that with Brady Price at $8,600, while, while Brock Osweiler is going to cost you only seven grand. Is this a matchup where you fade Brady, though, owing to the, your belief that the Texans' defense can rise to the occasion as the number one defense in football this year? 
I just don't see that happening, and, and I'll tell you why. I mean, not only is Brady just going to be so on this weekend, I think that it's going to be tough to stop the Patriots on, on their way, at least among AFC teams. I don't really see anyone stopping them on their way to the Super Bowl, and certainly not the Texans. And I think part of the problem here is that the Texans' defense is going to be on the field so much because that the Patriots' defense is very competent. It's going to be able to stop uh, a guy like Osweiler, whereas he had some success against the Raiders defense last weekend, which was a little bit of a smoke and mirrors defense throughout the year. So this is a much tougher defense and it's in new England. I think that the, we're going to see a ton of three and outs from Houston. And with that, we're going to see a lot of short fields for, for the Patriots. And we're going to see a, that Patriots offense on the field, a ton. They're going to run a ton of plays. They're going to run up the score. I, I really don't see this being anywhere, uh, you know, near a competitive game. And I think, uh, it starts with, it starts with the fact that the, that Texans offense just isn't going to be able to gain any momentum them whereas the Patriots are going to be uh, full throttle the entire game you know what all you have to do in this one is take a look at the FanDuel board Brock Osweiler averaged 12.3 points per game that's terrible for a quarterback and he didn't play against New England's uh, trick tricksters uh, among the defensive coordinator and the and the head coach they've got a lot of tricks up their sleeve that that this guy right. will probably be seeing for the first time I think it's he's going to be hung out to dry and uh, the turnovers will be a plenty the dries will be short just like you said this looks like a mismatch that uh, maybe should have a parental guidance rating before the game starts. I've issued that a couple of times Honestly. before. This could be the first playoff one. <laughs> uh, at the running back position, how do you break this one down? I know uh, there's, there's a note that says that LeGarrette Blunt is questionable with an illness, but it's going to take more than an Ill- illness to keep him out, don't you think? Yeah, I don't really think that this is going to affect him. And, you know, we're still waiting on the Thursday injury report to come out. And then obviously the Friday one will give the the furthest clarification as to how he's doing. But I don't see him missing this game, Uh, especially... Excuse me. Seeing as how Rob Gronkowski is is out, you know, like he becomes the the top number one red zone guy for them. And it's it's been reflected in his touchdown count throughout the year, just an unbelievable touchdown volume out of LeGarrette Blunt, 18 total touchdowns on the season. I, I see him, even if he's questionable as of Thursday, Saturday, he's going to be a full go. Uh, I definitely can't fault anyone for using him at 7,300 on the uh, other side of the ball. The other kind of bell cow back we have in this one, Lamar Miller played pretty well last week against the Raiders. I thought he checks in at 7,000. So 300 less than Blunt. but this is a situation where I think the Patriots are going to do you know they're going to do their best to just completely take Lamar Miller out of this game. They're going to load up the box. They're they're going to make it very difficult for for the Texans to run. They're going to get him in da- down and long distance situations. Try to make Brock Osweiler beat them. Obviously, he won't be able to. Uh, so Lamar Miller, I'm staying off of him because he's just going to be facing those loaded fronts throughout the game. Uh, I do like Deion Lewis a little bit at 5400. If he can get his snap count into the 20s, you know, push for double-digit touches, especially in a late-game situation where we could be looking at a blowout and Belichick wants to rest blunt a little bit, I could see, you know, some garbage time touchdown potential out of Deion Lewis. Yeah, I like the call on Lewis. He's he's had the ball in his hands more than a dozen times on average in each of the last uh, three games they played down the stretch, uh, spelling Garrett Blunt at the very least. And if he gets some red zone activity, could add a touchdown to that that mix as well. At that low price, it, it's very attractive in this mix. You have to think he's going to get some, some action. And I think you can't discount a guy like James White as well for the same reasons. If they get well ahead, it's going to be run, run, run. And uh, the trio of running back will take turns taking shots at, at the at the 
Texans' number one rated defense for sure. Uh, but uh, the trouble is here that Houston, you're right, that uh, they have one guy in the running game that uh, the Patriots are going to key on, and that, that's going to be their demise, I think, because they haven't got a variety of options as long as they're counting on Brock Osweiler's passing arm to uh, to take them to the promised land. That just simply doesn't look like it can happen here. Nope. The wide receivers, given that statement... We have, at the most expensive, we have DeAndre Hopkins, who was a little bit limited uh, this week, with Wednesday, with a knee injury. So, again, we're going to need to wait and see what the Texans release on Friday as to his status. But I imagine he'll be, he'll be fine to play, but I'm still not paying up 7100 to to get a guy like Hopkins in this game. I think that, you know, aside from Lamar Miller, I think that the Patriots are going to be very adept at scheming the coverage to to pretty much try to negate Hopkins. I don't really see any Texans receiver having more than 50 or 60 uh, yards receiving on the day. It's just going to be a very low volume, low yardage day uh, for this Texans offense. Uh, On the other side, we got Julian Edelman checking in at 7,000. A little expensive, but he's also, you know, he's he hasn't seen less than eight targets since I believe October sixteenth, uh, and these are, you know, targets from Tom Brady. These aren't just like garbage targets. These are, you know, uh, those two are completely in sync all the time. Uh, so I think that he's in in line for a huge game. I'm going to try to get him into several of my lineups this weekend. Moving down, we got Malcolm Mitchell at 5600, limited by a knee. I imagine he plays, but. Uh, the real value to me isn't Chris Hogan at 5,200. It's Michael Floyd at 4,600. It, right. You know, minimum price guy. I think he's going to be kind of trendy and as far as your GPPs are concerned, but I think he's totally worth it. Um, you know, you you know the ownership, like I said, might be you might not be pulling one over on the rest of the field by using Floyd, but I think he he's a guy that showed he's still got the juice. Uh, you know, and I think coming to New England has definitely rejuvenated him a bit. I really really like him at 4,600. Yeah, I like that guy. That call as well i mean uh, that's that's going to give you kinds of, all kinds of flexibility on the rest of your roster too which is something worth noting no matter what type of play, a game you're uh, set up to play this weekend uh, the trouble here with houston i don't see any of the houston receivers other than will fuller after deandre hopkins name on the fan duel board and that's reflective of the fact that this shapes up as a mismatch in the passing game fuller for his part is rated at five thousand dollars and there are three new england patriot receivers in between him and uh, the top of the board here so that just tells you all you need to know in terms of what FanDuel thinks and what we think in terms of the relative strength of the passing game and the wide receivers in this tilt does it extend to the tight ends in your opinion John in this game both of these tight ends could be could be fine to use. Fedorowicz, as we saw last week, uh, sees plenty of targets from Osweiler. You know, any time that the first guy is an open, he's usually going to check it down to Fedorowicz. Although we did see, you know, Ryan Graham, I believe, uh, or Ryan Griffin, I'm sorry, uh, just sort of uh, snake some targets out of there. So uh, that 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 to me limited Fedorowicz's upside when looking into this matchup. I feel like 5900 is pretty cheap for Martellus Bennett, like almost concerningly cheap like there's something i don't know because it, it feels like him him in that offense as a number one tight end should be a lock to be well into the six thousands here so uh it feels like a price break maybe i'm falling into a trap here but 5900 definitely going to have some martellus bennett exposure as well yeah i think these are two great value plays at the tight end position i look for houston actually to use fedorowitz in kind of a play action pass type circumstance we already highlighted the fact that that uh, we expect the Patriots to load up the box. Can you imagine if they fake a few runs and have some quick hitters to the tight end? It might open up uh, the field for for the big guy to ramble a little bit, and that might be their best the best plays that they can come out of this offense. And Bennett, 
for his part. He's a, a red zone uh, favorite with with uh, the other guy, Bron- Gronk, out of the lineup. So you can expect that they'll throw some short ones his way, particularly when they get close to pay dirt. The kickers for these clubs, John. Uh, again, just kind of going with my MO here, just probably not using any kicker that's kicking outside, so no AFC kickers for me this week. Koskowski, can't really fault you for using him. He knows how to kick in New England. Uh, he checks in at 4900 so definitely not cheap, but you know, I, I imagine that he'll, he'll come close to hitting value for you. Novak, I, I just don't like his accuracy, and I, I just don't know how many times the Texans are going to get uh, onto the Patriots side of the field. So, so I'm just, I would uh, stay off of using a guy like Novak. And the defenses, I know I've been talking about Houston's number one rated uh, defense overall. Are you on them at all? It certainly sounds like you're not. And what about the New England side of the football? Uh, I think FanDuel also is in agreement with us here. Uh, this is a pretty expensive defense, 5,100 for the Patriots, but I'm going to try to fit them in as much as possible. I see this being uh, relatively close to a shutout for the Patriots. I see some turnovers. I think that, you know, 5,100, you need that defense to really perform well and, and create some havoc, some turnovers, some sacks. But this is a situation where I absolutely see that happening whereas the texans 4200 that sort of implies that FanDuel knows that the patriots are going to be putting up a lot of points even though they are the you know theoretically the number one rated defense as far as yards allowed and such but yeah i'm completely staying away from the texans defense as much as as much as humanly possible and i'm getting as much exposure to the patriots defense as much as i can yeah i think it's a reflection on on what's on the other side of the ball for each of these defenses clearly and and i agree with your assessment completely and that leads us to our game score predictions which probably won't be much of a surprise uh i'm gonna take the patriots 38 to 13 and i'm gonna counter by a little bit closer game just out of a bit of a nod to that number one defense keeping it a little closer than that but still the the if you're betting on the pats i still think they're gonna uh cover the cover the uh, spread i'm saying 27 to 10 for new england we go now to the sunday slate of games the Kansas City Chiefs are favored by one and a half points in a 105 kickoff over the visiting Pittsburgh Steelers. The over-under is set at 44 points. I have to say, giving away my pick for this game, that this line is a bit of a surprise in my opinion, John. We will start with a quarterback analysis. You uh, have to tell us about Roth, Roth, Roethlisberger priced at $8,100 and nursing a foot injury, while Alex Smith is much cheaper at $6,800. What do you think about the quarterback matchup here? I think it is interesting that that you can get a guy like Alex Smith at a cheaper price than, than Brock Osweiler in that you know from the last game yeah. where you know this is a situation where Smith is at home he's comfortable the Chiefs are just really really tough to beat at Arrowhead late in the season uh, so I think Smith plays you know a competent game I, I see him going about where his season average totals were you know he'll get you 15 and a half points or so um so you don't love the value that you're getting off of that you're not getting you know three times the bang for your buck that you'd prefer to be getting from your quarterback spot um roethlisberger this chief's defense is is very tough especially in the secondary um i think that they are a little bit softer against the run now that that uh, Derek Johnson is out. So I see Le'Veon Bell kind of being the, yeah. the driving force of the Steelers offense. And, you know, if his foot, you know, I know that they're saying it's completely not an issue. I mean, it had to be, have been at least a little bit of an issue this week. Let, let, let's be honest. So I think that, you know, the Steelers are going to try to limit Roethlisberger's dropbacks and exposure to that, to that ferocious pass rush led by Justin Houston. So I don't really 
think I'm going to use a ton of Roethlisberger this week. Uh, I think I would, I would be more comfortable using using a Le'Veon Bell if I'm getting a bunch of Steelers exposure. I think that's a great call in this one, and I think Smith might be in for a bit of a long day with facing a lot of pressure from Pittsburgh. They'll dial it up uh, from a lot of different angles, making his day a long one, I do believe. But I like your call on the Roethlisberger situation. Good opportunity to fade him in favor of the running game there for Pittsburgh. And speaking of the running game, let's talk a little bit about Le'Veon Bell and Spencer Ware and all the others that are going to carry the rock. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, he, he 30 points uh, against... Uh, pseudo-respectable Dolphins defense last week in his first ever playoff game just comes out sets the Steelers playoff record for rushing yards just immediately breaks Franco Harris's record so I mean this guy the guy's unbelievable he's he's about he's probably the best running back in the league if we we want to parse it out between him David Johnson and so on Bell is just so dangerous so electric and like I said earlier Derek Johnson isn't patrolling the middle of the field anymore so that that softens up the the front seven for the Chiefs a little bit and with that Roethlisberger maybe not playing at 100%, I see Bell getting a ton of touches here. I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see 30 combined touches or more for him. Uh, so you got to pay 9900 to get him. You're going to have to you know, really scrimp and save elsewhere. But I think definitely definitely could uh pay off for you there and then you you know on the other side we got the chiefs we got spencer ware who's been a very solid fantasy back throughout the season you know without jamal charles checks in at 6900 i think that the i I would say that the the chiefs are going to need to need to be in in score now mode for a lot of this game to to keep pace so i don't see them pounding the rock very much unless they they really get the ball and are able to kind of dictate the pace of this game in the early going so i'm probably laying off of spencer where even though i don't mind that price tag uh checking in just under seven thousand well i agree the the pickings are slim here at the running back position but certainly the game plan for pittsburgh seems to scream out loud we're going to run the ball we're going to try running right right down your throats there's no mystery here and so uh chalky pick uh, of the of the day i think is as Le'Veon bell uh he's going to get the ball a lot there's no question uh it's pretty thin behind him with d'angelo williams limited to only a couple of touches in each of the last few games yeah and those are just garbage time right. type of touches right so this game's going to be a little bit closer though i think so they'll need Le'Veon right to the end and and really i think uh, the chiefs have to have a big game from where to, to stay in this one so i could see him getting a steady diet but uh maybe a change of pace uh, might lead some uh, so some touches to go Cherkandrick West's way uh, just for some diversity, maybe some savings there too in FanDuel play at 5200 versus the $6,900 price tag on where. But uh, definitely I favor the running back uh, of the Steelers in this one. The wide receivers of note here, John. We got, of course, we got Antonio Brown, most expensive receiver in this game, checking in at 8800 going against that that chief secondary that i think is about as talented as any in the league you know if, if he's facing double teams of, of eric barry and, and marcus peters that, that that is an issue and that that opens the field a little bit for for his for like the really one only other competent Steelers receiver eli rogers who's at five thousand so eli rogers might be an interesting uh tournament consideration here i i still imagine that brown will have a fine game uh, i don't think that he can be stopped for a full 60 minutes by any means but uh you know, with, with some of the other higher priced guys, I think having higher ceilings, I'm probably not using Brown this week. I would, I'd prefer to get Bell from this game, for instance. And then uh, the other 
big name receiver and this one is Tyreek Hill and I know you mentioned Charkandrick West is the sort of second running back for the Chiefs uh, just a second ago but uh, you know Tyreek Hill does get some snaps in that backfield and he's he's about as electric of a runner as anyone he clocked in with like a 4-2-4-40 at his pro day last year that you know got him into draft consideration uh, he's he's unbelievably explosive you got the special teams touchdown potential with him as well so I, I'm actually very intrigued at using a guy like Tyreek Hill at 6600 Macklin price has fallen all the way down to 5500 i don't know what to do with that 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 does feel like it's too cheap to not get some exposure to a guy who's as good as macklin but it seems like hill uh really is the engine that drives this offense at this point so i'm leaning way more towards hill than pretty much anyone else from this receiving uh core yeah i guess if you're looking for a a receiver to fit in at the bottom end of your roster macklin would be the guy that might fit the mold there but definitely their go-to guy needs to be hill in this circumstance i do believe and it'll be interesting to see just how much activity antonio brown draws given the quality of the secondary that you highlighted that uh, Kansas City can throw out there one of the best in the league for sure at the tight end position are there any opportunities here John we have Travis Kelsey at 7100 this is a situation where I could see myself uh, having a having a Kelsey centric lineup but I think I'm going to make several other lineups where I where I where I can't uh, afford a $7,100 tight end. I think that's just a lot to ask for uh, in this game. I think that, you know, he, he might be, the other than Hill, the most dangerous guy in this offense. I, I don't think I'm going out too far on a limb in saying that. I see him seeing plenty of targets, and he's he's got an excellent catch rate. Uh, he's very dangerous after the catch. He's so big and athletic. So I, I think that he can take advantage of that Steeler secondary, particularly the safeties or, or the linebackers. Um, but I, I, that, that price tag... I just don't see myself formulating a ton of lineups where we're see. And then uh, on the other side, we we have Ladarius Green and Jesse James, uh, 5,700 and 4,500 respectively. We're not sure if Ladarius Green is going to play or not, dealing with some concussion-like symptoms. Uh, I'm probably not using either of these tight ends, to be completely honest, though. Well, I might uh, take a shot at Jesse James, maybe as a tournament play at $4,500. I know that... Uh, when they get close to the goal line, Mr. Roethlisberger likes to pad his touchdown stats too, so he might fling one or one or two tosses to the tight end position in that circumstance, and I think they will have some chances in the red zone, so that's what I'm looking for there in that particular circumstance. Kelsey on the other side, I think he's one of the keys to the Kansas City offense, obviously, and it'll be interesting to see how much volume he gets. He's pretty much the class of the tight end field going uh, across the board, actually, you can say, for this weekend almost. Yes. Uh, your kickers, John. We got Cairo Santos at 4,600. I do like Cairo Santos among the sort of cheaper options. If it, if I do break my rule and, and go with uh, you know an, an outdoor kicker for this weekend, uh, not as high on Boswell. He's 21 of 25 on the year. Obviously, uh, one of those games is completely buoyed by the time that he made. He went six for six against the Bengals. Otherwise hasn't been all that great this year. Uh, I think the way that the Steelers approach their their scoring situation uh scoring situations where they usually tend to go for two that obviously cuts down on boswell's floor so i'm definitely not using boswell i couldn't blame you for using santos if you're strapped uh, and need to just kind of fit in a cheaper kicker but again going with the nfc kickers this weekend as a rule i like that call i'm staying away from these guys too what about the defenses we got two pretty good ones here i think 
We do have two excellent defenses. I, I like I like the Steelers defenses matchup better. I, I don't really see the the Kansas City Chiefs being able to put up a ton of points. Um, but on the other side of the coin, the Chiefs have a great defense, but that that Steelers defense is so tough to to contain and hold under twenty points. So uh, I'm probably staying off of both of these. Uh, I couldn't blame you if you for using the Steelers at forty five hundred for some cap relief. You know, if you can't fit in uh, a, a defense at, at fifty one hundred like New England's, so. Pittsburgh would be my call uh, between these two on my on the defensive front. Yeah, you know what? I think Pittsburgh's my call uh, in terms of a lot of FanDuel lineups that I'll put out this weekend. Uh, I, I just think that when it comes to playoff time, we've seen this de- defense rise to the occasion. Sure, the names change, but this, the strategy is always the same. It's a high-pressure group, and I think they'll apply enough to make some, make some uh, good scores on the FanDuel play this weekend in their favor. In terms of a final game score, who do you favor, John? I'm going to go 21-20 Pittsburgh. Very, very close game. I think Pittsburgh nudges them out at the end. And I'm going to say a little bit uh, of a gap. 24-17, I'm taking the Steelers. That's uh, the second road team that I think is going to win this weekend. Which brings us to the final game, and we get perhaps the marquee game of the four, and maybe one that people have been waiting for for a few weeks, hoping that this matchup would take place. I'm obviously the most most interested in it, too, as the Green Bay Packers visit the Cowboys in Dallas at 440 on Sunday, where the home side's favored by four and a half with an over-under of 52 on the game. The quarterback matchup is definitely a marquee one. Aaron Rodgers priced in as the most expensive quarterback on the entire menu this weekend for $8,800, and he'll face off against rookie sensation Dak Prescott, who comes in at $7,700. John, why don't you put this one... uh, put this one up on the board and see what it looks like and uh, i'll try and put my heart uh, inside my mouth here <laughs> well i mean a guy like rogers i mean it's like have you been paying attention to football since october i mean or the last 10 years however you want to put it i mean the, the guy's just on, on an absolute tear he looks like vintage aaron Rodgers, so he i think deservedly is the is the highest priced quarterback on the board here you know three straight games of over 30 FanDuel points uh just absolutely you know even with a banged up receiving core in really no run game to speak of he's still just putting up these you know these monstrous totals week in week out he looked so good against the giants last week especially in the second half as the packers sort of took that game over so uh if you know if you can afford him and and you don't want to use a guy like tom brady then you know rogers has to be your guy this weekend and what's your take on how Rodgers fares against the, you know, the Cowboys secondary that's going to be getting a guy in Morris Claiborne back who was having a solid, you know, kind of last year of his rookie deal, uh, rookie deal until he suffered that sports hernia injury. So he might be a little bit rusty. Do you think Rodgers picks on him perchance? I don't think so because uh, Claiborne does come into the game with a reputation as a pretty good cover guy too, and they've got two other uh, veteran guys in that secondary who've been playing very, very well all season long. So I think he's insulated well in, in terms of the pass coverage, and I do think there's a real concern for the Packers if they don't have a healthy wideout uh, that we'll get to in a minute that they could be in for a tough day I do not think we'll see Aaron Rodgers with seven or eight seconds to throw the ball like he did routinely against the Giants last week I was shocked by that and the Cowboys have a, a guy uh, David Irving who's going to be all yeah. over the side the defensive side of the he took line. that game over when they played in the regular season right and I see a repeat of that I just think this is a guy who reminded me of some of the Cowboy linemen defensive 
uh, rushers of the past that that uh, are Hall of Famers. And, and he, not to say this guy's a long way from a Hall of Famer, but he just looked so effective. And the way they schemed with him, uh, it's something that uh, Aaron Rodgers, I don't think, will have any any uh, eight-second dropbacks in this weekend's game. And I think he's going to have a bit of a tougher time. On the other side of the ball, uh, Dak Prescott's just going to be uh, required to do what he's done all season, and that's manage the ball, hand it off to the, the premier running back, and then throw it to a bevy of wide receivers. I think he's got a chance to put up a pretty solid game score, uh, but I do think he does it in the shadows of Aaron Rodgers' uh, marquee value for sure in this matchup. Yeah, I don't think that Dak has a particularly high ceiling in this one. I think, you know, th- this could be like a, a 245-yard, right. two-touchdown type of deal. So not really ideal for, for your starting fan to a quarterback. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a disaster by any means. I think he's shown throughout the entire season he's poised, he's ready for the moment. I just don't see uh, him as a, as a premier fantasy option this weekend. Right, I agree with you. And I think they're going to be a much more balanced attack than the Packers. You said it yourself, and I think it's pretty accurate. They don't have a running back, a running game to speak of. They're going to go as far as uh, Rogers' arm takes them, and maybe his feet too. The guy can run run a little bit as well. So definitely the Cowboys. I think they pin their ear backs, ears back and, and rush the quarterback, and we'll see how he deals with that. Maybe an average of two or three seconds to get the ball away, which he's done very effectively all season long too. He's a dangerous, dangerous player, and one that I wish would take the weekend off, to be quite honest with <laughs> At the running back positions, John? Well, uh, as you alluded to earlier, we got... You know, one of the premier running backs in the game here, Ezekiel Elliott, 8,500. You know, he's going to be fresh, uh, you know, coming off the bye week here. I think that we're going to see a lot of him this weekend, even though, you know, there, there might be some thought that, that the Cowboys might throw it a little bit more against the, that Packers uh, secondary that is so banged up. And, you know, there's been attrition in that unit all season long. But I still think that. Uh, the Cowboys main focus is going to be Zeke and running the ball 8,500. That's a lot. I I think that there's some other running backs in the slate. If I went with like a Rawls, uh, blunt combo, uh, if I'm paying for the more expensive running backs, that's probably the way that I would lean. Uh, but I mean, Zeke can't blame you for using him. He's, he's just so dangerous. Uh, once he gets the ball in his hands, he, you know, he's just such a plow, you know, coming down, he runs so hard downhill. So I think that he'll, he'll have a fine game, but I'm probably not uh, paying up for him in most of my lineups. And then checking in uh, a little bit lower, 6,000 Ty Montgomery. I just don't really see a particularly high ceiling. And for him, uh, you know, if he gets like 10 to 12 points, okay. But you know, that, you know, that's, you know, kind of wasting one of your running back spots. So I'm not using him. Uh, I think the Packers are going to be keyed in on throwing the ball. So that takes uh, guys like Christine Michael or Aaron Ripkowski off the board for me as well, even though we might see Ripkowski goal line touchdown to, just to kind of make all the fantasy people very angry. You know what? You're going to start making me angry if you tout the Packers any more than you are. But I'm <laughs> going to tell you what, I, I think that uh, the running game for the Packers, it's not going to be a factor at all. It's like, you, like you said, and you didn't even mention the fact the Cowboys are number one against the run uh this is not going to be gonna let you do that yeah this is not going to be a game where the packers running game decides anything and uh ezekiel elliott this guy's been on the big stage in the college ranks so he he is not going to be jittery i don't think and i expect to see what we've seen from him all year a big game on the big stage and he'll deliver the goods and uh, put up a pretty good game score for that eighty five hundred dollar price tag and then uh if he gets in the game too with some touches i could see even darren mcfadden getting a late touchdown and uh getting maybe eight or ten points in in fantasy uh in uh, in a late game situation that i portend might be meaningless how about the wide receivers john 
Well, the top price guy is is someone that that probably isn't going to end up playing. Uh, we got Jordy Nelson checking in at eighty one hundred, dealing with I think what I read earlier this week was at least two broken ribs. Right. I mean, that, and you know he's going to have let you know less than one full week to be recovered uh, i think he's still going to be too sore to play I, I i would almost feel like it's inhumane of the packers to, to you know throw him out there if, if he's still in that much pain so i'm probably not using jordy nelson i think he'll have a very low ownership i don't think if he plays he'll play more than just a handful of snaps it's, it's almost like a decoy so then we have a guy like des bryant 7600 probably the most physically gifted receiver in this matchup uh and he he's going against that secondary that i mentioned is is really really bad i i, I was very shocked at, at how poorly the the giants receivers and eli manning were able to do against them this past week i don't think that the packers get away with it so easily this week i think that des bryant has a really nice game so at 7600 i could definitely justify using him in some lineups and then on the other side we got Devonte adams and randall cobb uh i think both of those guys see major upticks in value uh, with, with Jordy Nelson probably being out, Adams, you'll have to pay more at 7,400, whereas Cobb is just at 6,500. So if I'm using a Packers receiver, probably going to be Cobb or Geronimo Allison at 5,300. But I, I think any three of them could be fine. But uh, obviously, Dez is the best. He's like the class of this group. Yeah, and I would say you can go down the list a little bit and you look back to the first time these two teams played. The Cowboys went into Green Bay and beat them handily without Des Bryant. They leaned on a passing, a receiving core that uh, featured Beasley, uh, Terrence Williams, and uh, Bryce Butler. They each factored into the scoring in that game, and I think each of them has a chance to get a slice here. So it's just a matter of where you think you can fit some of these guys in sometimes. Uh, at the high end, if you've got opportunity to put Dez in there, I do expect him to have a big game. But if you're looking for a filler, you could do worse than any of the four Cowboy receivers that uh, that I've named. And uh, sure. and I think that they offer that variety against the Packers defense that's very suspect in the secondary, as you mentioned. And that's, I think, where the game's truly going to be decided in terms of one passing attack over the other tight ends let's see here we uh, we're gonna have jared cook checking in at 5400 um he can be so jekyll and hyde uh, i could see him you know this this is one where if you use him and, and it pays off great uh, but i i don't really just see that happening here i think that that mostly you're going to want receivers from the packers i don't think cr- cook is someone that you can really rely on i guess basically bottom line with him is at least he's going to be low owned uh in tournaments so you know maybe he's worth a flyer uh but jason witten would be would be my tight end of choice from this group at 4900 just a reliable you know safety blanket guy that moves the chains all the time uh so at 4900 you're not even paying that much for him much less than a guy like martellus bennett so definitely provide some cap relief there definitely like witten uh from this grouping and then there's richard Rodgers at 4600 but who knows if a even be targeted once in this game well john i've talked about jason witten all year long on all the other podcasts he's my favorite player in the nfl i'll say that loud and proud but i'm going to talk about the two uh, tight ends on the packers side of the football because i think they can be a real factor in this one given okay. that uh, jordy nelson is going to be an injury issue and uh, i see them leaning on the short passing game jared cook richard rogers taking turns and uh, getting enough targets to make either one of them both uh, appetizing at their very uh, cheap relative price tags of 5400 and $4,600. The kicker is here, John. Uh, we're going to have Dan Bailey at 4800 and Mason Crosby at 4700 
I think Dan Bailey is my guy this weekend. Uh, you know, 4,800. So he's, he's tied for third most expensive kicker on this slate kicking in Dallas where he's comfortable. There's no weather conditions to speak of. Uh, I, I do like Dan Bailey's chances at, at being the highest scoring kicker this weekend. So he's my pick, but Crosby also should, should be fine. Yeah. Uh, Dan Bailey, best kicker in the history of football. That's how I describe it. Other than him. Justin Tucker, yeah. Well, in terms of percentage, my friend, we can, No, we no, can it's to, Tucker now. I look. All right, we'll see. Then after this game, it might change <laughs> if you go playoffs <laughs> included. But uh, certainly, we're talking quality on both sides of the ball in this one. Crosby's no slouch. Been in the game, big game circumstances. I just don't think either of them is going to factor into this decision, though. I think it's going to be a blowout, John, and I'll get to that in a second. Your defenses. Uh, defenses tough to tough to really pick between these two uh just because you know that the that the packers are so limited in the back end and the cowboys offense is is so efficient and it, it good at you know time of possession all those sort of things that you look for um so I'd, I'd be worried about using the packers and then the cowboys you know you're throwing out a defense against aaron Rodgers that seems like a fool's errand to me so that i'm staying off of both of those defenses this weekend yeah i think that's a great call to stay off both of these defenses uh there's going to be points in this one and uh tell me who's going to get more let's get your final score well, I hate to break it to you, but uh, I'm going <laughs> to lean with Aaron Rodgers here. Um, I think I just drink too much Wisconsin tap water, but um, 30 to 27 Packers. It's, I don't feel great about it, but that's how I see this going. You know what? I'm older than you, and I remember so many visits of the Packers to Dallas, and they all ended in disaster for Green Bay. This may be, oh. the, this may be the biggest one, except for the <laughs> Super Bowl win. The, 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 they beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl. They didn't beat the Cowboys. Whenever they come to Dallas, they get clobbered, and they're going to get clobbered again. 49 nothing is the Lock call. Lock it up, folks. Lock <laughs> it up. That's the heart going over the head. In reality, <laughs> though, I do see them covering easily this point spread. I think it's a two-touchdown game for the Cowboys, just like it was when they visited Green Bay, John. I just All think right. there's too many check marks in their favor. In terms of your strategy this weekend, what are you leaning on in terms of making your picks in a divisional playoff I'm- round? This is usually against against my heart to use a ton of Patriots, but this weekend I think it sets up so well that uh, I'm probably going to use the maximum amount of Patriots that I can. I'm going to get some Tom Brady, uh, some Garrett Blunt, uh, Michael Floyd in their defense, and then just kind of go from there. I think that that's going to be definitely one or two of my lineups. Uh, I do like Tyreek Hill a lot. I think that uh, it's definitely worthwhile to try to build a a lineup around a guy in Le'Veon Bell, use some of those kind of mid-priced receiving options from, you know, from the Falcons, you know, given that they're not going to be dealing with, with uh, Richard Sherman, you know, maybe they're on the opposite side of the field, you know, and Julio Jones has to, has to deal with him. So maybe a guy like Gabriel could be someone to look out for as far as your mid priced uh, receivers are concerned, but really I'm going to be very Patriot centric with my, with most of my lineups. Yeah, I think that's a good way to go. I also mentioned the Cowboys receiving depth. I do think that beyond uh, Des Bryant, they do have a couple of options that do make sense to fill out your roster and will provide good value there. In addition to the, the players and teams that you mentioned your strategies john i'm looking forward to this weekend i know you are and uh, it's been a great ride doing the football pods with you all season john you too sir you too sir it's been an honor very good well there you have it for john mckechnie who you can follow at johnny mckex i'm paul bruno reminding you to follow me at statsman 22 we wish you good luck with your fan duel picks and remind you that we'll be back next week but we'll do in bas- we'll be doing basketball in this time slot oh, so yeah. long everybody
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.